Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Control Amplified podcast. I'm Len Vermillion, Editor-in-Chief of Control Magazine and ControlGlobal.com. Today, we're talking software modularization for IIoT, that's Industrial Internet of Things. And we're happy to be joined by Tyrone Visser, who is the Business Development Manager for Linux and IIoT at Wago. And Tyrone is a perfect person for us to discuss this subject with, given his experience in various industries and cloud applications, as well as open source software and low-code programming. So Tyrone, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Len. Let's start by looking at the key advantages of software modularization. That's a really tough word to say in IIoT solutions. How does it contribute to scalability and adaptability in industrial environments? There may be some key differences here when we talk about soft, software modularization and we talk about containerization. Mm -hmm. I think today I kind of want to talk about both, um, especially okay. containerization, because containerization has just been kind of really key in the IoT space in the past couple of years. But basically, this, this desire to run third-party applications on industrial controllers uh, really started with something called the Ming stack. And for everybody that maybe hasn't seen the Ming stack or heard of the Ming stack, that's a mosquito broker, so an MQTT broker, InfluxDB, Node-RED, and Grafana. And it became popular for quite a few reasons. Um, basically, Node-RED has become definitely increasingly popular in IoT applications because of its ability to handle a lot of industrial protocols and also its ability to use JSON information natively. It's all programmed in JavaScript, so it uses um, JSON natively. And it's the same file format as would be used in an MQTT payload. So it makes it really easy to structure an MQTT payload if you're sending to any type of, of different SCADA system or, or wherever you want to send it. G generally, it's a cloud type of communication for MQTT. You know, if, if you're not familiar with MQTT, one of the, the big benefits of it is that it's published and subscribed. So instead of like, for instance, with a Modbus communication where it's point to point communication, MQTT allows you to send messages at scale from, from multiple devices as publishers to multiple subscri subscribers. So there's a lot of scalability built into the architecture with it. So we talked about Ming, we're, we're talking also about InfluxDB uh, for an IoT application. It's, it's traditionally been very important that we have some type of a local time series database. And Grafana offers the, the lo local visualization for the controller. Okay. So a lot of this was kind of made possible on the 32-bit microcontrollers by uh, a containerization platform called Docker. And Docker's been, Docker's been used now for, for years in the software development industry, and it kind of made its way over to industrial automation. Docker really makes it easy to install applications, no matter what version of Linux you might be running. So in the instance of microcontrollers, generally, you know, the, those are resource-constrained devices. They would be running like an embedded Linux that if you were to run something like Node-RED on there, natively, you have to cross-compile it. You have to have all the dependencies. You have to have Node.js and all this stuff. And it creates a lot of complications. So now with, with Docker, it actually makes it a lot easier to put that software container, that application container, onto any operating system you want and be able to run it. So it's one of the advantages of it. Now with containerization technologies like Docker and orchestration technologies like uh, something called Kubernetes, companies are really able to quickly scale their IoT applications across hundreds of devices. So this is where we talk about getting into scale with IoT applications. And I wonder if there's any real world applications you might be able to tell us about where this has been successfully implemented into an IIoT deployments. You know, what are the benefits and the outcomes of adopting this approach? Yeah, so 
generally we've had a lot of success with devices sitting in remote locations, especially like remote monitoring type applications that might be a little bit light on control. If you want to think of like vending machines or car washers or equipment that can be managed remotely, it really reduces the cost of having someone to go to site to do troubleshooting. You can troubleshoot remotely, but also when it comes to deploying updates, you know, if you've got vending machines across the US and you need to make a certain update to to that for any particular reason, you can now do it on scale. So generally it's been for non-critical applications, right? Um, we've also worked with equipment manufacturers that wanted a nice, say a nice custom web interface, something different than they would get from, from a PLC or an HMI platform. Maybe something like React-based was actually something that we did with a customer. So they wanted a React-based web interface that they could use as their HMI on their machine, as opposed to using a standard HMI graphics. So in this case, we could just spin up a uh, container with a some type of React interface inside of it, and we could exchange information between the PLC platform and that React container via HTTP as a standard communication protocol. So um, also in industrial manufacturing type applications, we're seeing a lot of, of applications that require TensorFlow for machine vision, especially when it comes to quality control applications. Um, so this is kind of generally where the more performant edge computers are, are coming into play, but we'll, we might talk about those a little bit later as well. Well, how does uh, software modularization enable interoperability and seamless integration, um, especially between different devices, systems, and, and vendors within an IoT ecosystem? Yeah, so I think, I think kind of at this point, it's important to note that software modularization, or in this case, containerization, it provides the ability to replace or upgrade individual containers without having to affect the entire system, right? So the flexibility allows organizations to kind of embrace new technologies and really adapt to changing industrial requirements over time. I mean, it, things are always changing. We know this now more than ever, that there's always gonna be a new software stack. There's gonna be new, something new that you wanna run, especially with, local AI, machine learning, all of this stuff. So it's really a future focused approach that doesn't doesn't take away from what you're currently doing. It allows you the, the architecture to be able to add to it. So when you think of this in the context of various vendors and devices you might have on your plant floor, you know, in the past you've you've been you've been constrained to a particular vendor for all of your needs. Mm -hmm. And I think it's becoming a much more it's becoming and it's allowing for a much more open approach than before. Also by adopting common communication protocols such as MQTT, OPC UA, or HTTP, these modules, these kind of software modules can, can share data easily with each other, um, regardless of the specific technology used. So either between containers on a device, sitting locally on a device, or an external system, right? Like a SCADA system or a cloud system mm -hmm. or something, it's a common language that's being used. Okay. Well then in the context of IIoT, uh, what are the main challenges or considerations when it comes to designing or implementing modular software architecture? Scalability with orchestration tools is becoming easier, but it still generally requires a lot of, of IT knowledge. Um, we do work with a partner called Pertainer that, that definitely helps simplify this. They built a nice custom front-end interface to help with these Kubernetes-type deployments. Um, but even companies like Siemens now have their own edge management platform to help people that are more controls engineering focused to be able to do these software deployments because it, there, there are certain skill sets that are required. And um, 
apart from that, to be honest, cybersecurity is always a concern when you have uh, edge deployment systems like this and this type of architecture. Uh, a lot of the times these, these devices might be touching the internet. So um, when you're talking about containers, containers need to be adequately designed and tested to ensure that they meet the, the industry best practices. Uh, and it's always important to keep up to date with that so that, so that your, your applications are secure. Then can you elaborate on the role of Codasys in IIoT solutions and how it facilitates software modularization? Specifically, what functionalities or advantages does it offer in this regard? Yeah, so if you're not familiar with Codasys, it's a, it's a vendor-independent PLC platform that offers all of the IEC 611.31-3 programming languages. So like structured text, function block, ladder logic, um, a few others, but it's it's that IEC standard is meant to kind of standardize all of the, the, the programming languages so that you have this kind of interoperability between different PLC platforms. And Codasys is actually our standard PLC offering at Wago. So that's kind of what we would offer if you were to go buy a Wago PFC off the shelf. So what we've noticed with larger industrial customers is that it's important for their field staff to understand the applications being used on the factory floor and, and also have the ability to troubleshoot it. You know, a lot of these traditional controls programmers that are running factories and keeping them up and running, they're not Python developers, they're not JavaScript developers, they don't have the, the tools yet to be able to, to manage those types of applications. So when something goes down, they need the, the ability to be able to fix it. The nice thing about Codasys is it's got a lot of options for different field buses. It's got libraries for MQTT, OPC UA, uh, HTTP, which give you kind of that capability to use it in an IIoT application. There are currently some efforts underway to offer a containerized Codasys solution as kind of a soft PLC that can be deployed on an industrial PC platform that would offer the best of both worlds when it comes to not only being able to provide the key capabilities you need from an IoT application, but also bridging the gap for the, the field staff. Well, then, like we did before, are there any notable uh, use cases where Codasys has been successfully integrated into IIoT? And again, what are uh, the outcomes and benefits using Codasys in those scenarios? Yeah, so right now we've used Codasys just kind of standard bare metal on a lot of our devices in conjunction with maybe some Docker containers. So there's been a lot of cases where maybe they need to connect uh, they need to collect data locally, um, do something with the data, like a time series database, like Influx, InfluxDB. We've used it quite a bit in the case of capturing data from third-party PLCs, um, maybe like an Allen Bradley, a Siemens using Ethernet IP or something like that. We might have, so we'd have uh, Codasys running natively on the controller. We might also have a Docker container with Node-RED on board, and that would help transform the data from Codasys. So bringing that information over from Codasys transforming that data into a nice structured MQTT payload so that it can go into their, their data lake or their historian in, in the right format that's actually useful for them. Mm -hmm. um, Node-RED's a really great tool for, for structuring data like that. So this really provides the field staff the ability to troubleshoot at least part of the application if there's any issues. Um, and then maybe the IT staff are troubleshooting the Node-RED section, but it does provide a little bit more flexibility there. So let me ask this next question in two parts. First. So what, what trends and future developments do you foresee in the field of IIoT and software modularization? And then how do you envision Codasys evolving to meet those evolving needs of industrial automation? Yeah, I think we're starting to see more and more 
customers that want to run the, there's a Linux version of Codasys that can run on like a Intel machine, right? That's running mm -hmm. Debian or Ubuntu. So we're seeing more and more customers that want to run a Linux version of Codasys on some type of an mm -hmm. industrial computer and then just use remote IO as interoperability. I think one of the nice things about using one of these newer uh, distributions of Linux is that there's a little bit more opportunity for remote device management, security patching. There's a lot of benefits there's a lot of benefits there. So not only can it be also, in some cases, they just need a really performant PLC and to run on like an eight core Intel i7 device running Codasys, that's a pretty mm -hmm. powerful PLC, right? So um, it's, it's not just that, but it's also the flexibility in your architecture. And especially when it comes to hardware, during the last couple of years with all the supply chain woes, it's been very difficult for, for companies to want to standardize on one PLC manufacturer anymore. It's basically gone out the window. I mean, it's, it, it, it feels almost crazy to do it now because there's just so much uncertainty with supply chain and mm -hmm. it's, it's only now starting to get better with a lot of companies. So Codasys is still that ideal app, app uh, ideal platform where you can install it on different manufacturers, PLCs or industrial PCs. Um, and it, it helps with that interoperability and helps with the supply chain issues. The other thing too, is that. Codasys is really still an ideal platform for applications that require real-time control, right? Uh, determinism, safety applications. There's a lot of other factory auto, uh, automation applications. You know, there's libraries for, you know, maybe robot control or something. So I could potentially foresee a future where Codasys is deployed like other containers um, to update and improve machine functionality on scale. So now we're not just talking about IoT applications, but maybe you need to actually update your machine remotely. I know for critical applications, it seems crazy. Like, oh, you know, you always want somebody on site to make sure that you um, are doing the, the, taking the right safety measures to ensure that no one's getting hurt during the update. But there could be some type of future where this is being facilitated and it's, it's important as part of everyone's architecture. So I could see stuff like that happening in the future of deploying Codasys remotely. Right. Well, so then let's leave this with, um, do you have any insights or recommendations for organizations looking to implement I IoT solutions, um, especially with a focus on software modularization? And then what are what are the key considerations and best practices that they need to keep in mind? Yeah, I think so. I guess step one would be to plan and, and design up front. You know, I, I like always talking about I think it's from Stephen Covey, you begin with the end in mind. You, you really want to think about what you're trying to achieve, not only now, but into the future. So thinking about what the long-term goals look like and choosing the right hardware infrastructure that will support that into the future. Um, embracing standardization, you know, using industry standard protocols for communication. Um, I think a lot of the manufacturers are starting to team up together to, to provide this industry standard communication. Everybody wants to really get away from these uh, lockdown field bus, field bus protocols. So the OPC UA Foundation is a really good example of that, how everyone's kind of trying to come together to create these standardized uh, protocols for integration with third-party devices. So that also, you know, that really helps facilitate the exchange of data across the IoT ecosystem. Prioritizing reusability. I mean, there's, there's modular, there's technically software modularization. We've been using this for years with the idea of function block programming, right? How can we really reuse function blocks, libraries, or, or different containers that can be leveraged across multiple projects or deployments? You know, the more that we can use this modularization approach, 
really helps us reduce the development time when it comes to new projects. And it uh, just helps promote consistency. A very important consideration for all of this is definitely considering security from the start. So if you are thinking about deploying these types of systems, you really need a secure, you really need a, a security team or a consultant, somebody that can help you um, develop your security practices from the start. You, you want to incorporate the robust security measures into each module uh, or container in this case to prevent, protect against cybersecurity threats. You also want to think about um, communication protocols. In my experience, you know, with a lot of the customers we've helped with, you know, MQTT is a great, uh, great protocol for scalability. But another important reason as to why it's being so widely adopted for some of our customers is that it's growing, it's growing because of a TLS encryption, right? There's a lot of applications where they need data security, even inside the plant, even if it's all on-prem, they still want some type of data security with their protocol. So to be able to offer that is important. Um, I would say testing and validating, you know, thoroughly testing and validating each module to ensure proper functionality and compatibility. Compatibility is always key with a lot of these industrial environments running all of this different stuff. Docker helps with this, but you still want to make sure you've got that compatibility piece. And the last thing I would say is just fostering communication. You know, you really, a lot of this, these types of rollouts, it's a, it's a cross-departmental approach. You know, you want to be involving different stakeholders from different teams uh, and potentially involving, you know, different vendors and encouraging people to work together to create consistency across your, your platforms. At, at Wago, at least, we're always happy to help integrate, you know, third-party hardware and software. Basically, we want to do what we can to help you kind of achieve, achieve your end goal, no matter, you know, what we got to integrate with or how we, how we help you. And I think that's a great place to leave it. So, Tyron, thank you for being here today. Wonderful conversation. Um, we will talk to you again, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for being great. here. Thank, thank you. you.